may be wondering why you see some people wearing name tags. Well, they're taking advice and counsel from our Sunday school training, and uh, they're seeking to be an open Sunday school class and get new people in. And hopefully somebody in your class shared with you this morning what we talked about. They were supposed to. And if not, ask them next Sunday to share that with you because we want to make sure we got that uh, covered. You can be finding your place in Revelation chapter 8 this morning. It's good to see Joshua and Holly here. they got little Titus down there, and I don't want to embarrass them, but I'm excited about them. Uh, uh, Joshua is studying to go into ministry, and uh, so you'll be praying for him as he's in seminary or taking seminary by correspondence at the moment. So pray for him, pray for them. And I'm going to have you come preach for me sometime, okay? All right. And I thought about having you fill in, but I think I want to be here and I want to hear you myself, okay? So, and I'm going to send him home with some books today. I've got some stuff for him. And I know uh, Holly's really excited about me sending more books to their house, but I'm going to send him home with uh, some commentaries and things. So you pray for them. I'm glad you all are here. Revelation chapter 8 and chapter 9. We're going to cover two chapters this morning. Revelation chapter 8, Revelation chapter 9. I wonder why you're finding your spot there Uh, Have you ever heard of a place called the Winchester Mystery House? Anybody ever heard of the Winchester Mystery House? You have? Okay. Anybody ever been to the Winchester Mystery House? All right. I had never heard of the Winchester Mystery House until this past week. And one author that I read wrote, if you ever visit San Jose, California, you might want to consider taking the time to visit a fascinating attraction called the Winchester Mystery House. It's an odd building because it has stairways going nowhere and doors that lead to nothing. The structure rambles all over the place. Why build a house like that? Well, the story goes that Sarah Winchester, and a lot of you folks have already picked up on that name, Winchester. How many of you have a Winchester shotgun or rifle? Well, don't raise your hand. But anyway, I've got, I've got one too. Sarah Winchester was married to the man who made the Winchester rifle famous, and she inherited all the money. Uh, All of his money when he died in 1918 from influenza. Well, she moves to San Jose, California, and she continued her involvement with spiritism. And at a seance, it was conveyed to her that she would remain alive so long as she continued to build a house. And so fearful of death, she went to work right away. She spent five million dollars on her home. And that was back in the days when the going wage was 50 cents uh, an hour for an accomplished uh, contractor home builder. Fifty cents an hour. She spent five million dollars. Her huge house has one hundred and fifty rooms, 13 bathrooms, 2000 doors and 10,000 windows. In fact, I've got an old postcard here to show you what it looks like. That is the Winchester Mystery House. And when she died, when she did die, despite her perpetually active building project, she left behind enough materials to continue the project that you're looking at there for another 80 years. The author I was reading continued by writing this. What a picture of humankind on earth. Countless people are busily running here and there, getting wrapped up in projects that momentarily take their minds off eternity, yet have no real or lasting value. Sarah died and all of us will one day leave this earth ready or not. Jesus declared, beloved, that heaven and earth will one day pass away. And if we place all of our hope in this earth, in this kingdom, in this house, what a sad day is coming for us. Now, again, as we come back to Revelation, we've been reminded of that truth over and over again. The end is coming and we must be ready for the end to come. We must be prepared. And we've been finding out very clearly this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in order to be ready, we must know Jesus Christ. We know the Bible teaches, beloved, that if a person lives here upon the earth and they die without the Lord Jesus Christ, they go to a horrible place called hell forever. But what we're seeing here in Revelation at the moment, and we'll see it again today, that there is a hell on earth coming as well. A time known as the tribulation period, the tribulation period. And I've given you this timeline. I gave it to you at the very beginning of the series. And it kind of shows you the big picture. And right now we're studying in the tribulation period, the latter half 
the last three and a half years known as the Great Tribulation. The intensity uh, really ramps up during the Great Tribulation time. And during our passage today, we're going to be reading uh, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to take that scroll. You remember the scroll was sealed with seven seals. And he's opened six of those seals so far. And this morning we're going to see him break the seventh seal and open the scroll. And when the seventh seal is open, we're going to find that the seventh seal contains silence. And then it contains the trumpet judgments. In fact, when you look at the judgments revelation, they kind of work like this. The seventh seal contains the seven trumpets and the seventh trumpet contains the seven bowl judgments. In actuality, then, the seventh seal contains all of the trumpet judgments and all of the bowl judgments. It's all open. It's all there. And so we find the seventh seal is open. And as bad as things have gotten in our study so far of how horrible things are on the earth, they're about to get even worse. This morning, we're to see three woes are pronounced upon the inhabitants of the earth. Now, we're going to tackle two chapters today, chapters eight and nine. And obviously, we're not going to dig into every single word and every single phrase and mention every comma and every period. We're going to do a flyover. We're going to do really a tour of Revelation, just as you might go to London. London's a place I want to go one day. I've never been there. I'd love to go there. But just as you were to go to London and get on one of those tour buses and you pay your fare and you get on the tour bus, you don't go to every home. You don't go to every attraction. You hit the highlights. You go to Buckingham Palace. You go to Westminster Abbey. You go to Big Ben. You go to the London Bridge. But you don't go everywhere. Well, as we read 8 and 9 today, we're going to do a... Tour bus, if you will. We're going to hit the highlights and show you and do a flyover. Now, I'm going to warn you before I read. Uh, this is not easy reading. I'm not talking about the grammar. I'm not talking about the big words. I'm talking about the, the content we're about to read. And what I want to do today is I'm going to read Revelation 8 and 9 in its entirety as you follow along. And God makes very clear what's going to happen here. We're going to come back and I'm going to share with you uh, some of the highlights. Or maybe I should say some of the lowlights. Uh, that are coming upon the earth. Would you follow as I read Revelation chapter 8? And when he, that is Jesus, opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Verse seven. The first angel sounded and hail and fire followed mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. Verse eight. Then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Verse 10. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood and many men died from the waters because it was made bitter. Verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars. So that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of the heavens, saying with a loud voice, Woe! Woe! Woe to the inhabitants of the earth! Because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. 
So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. To them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death. They will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Now, I want you to notice as we get to these verses, as the description is given, I want you to notice the word like. Okay, look at verse seven. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. They had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Verse 13 of chapter 9. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads and with them they do harm. Verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone and wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, beloved, God is making clear here for us, for anyone who reads Revelation, what is going to happen. And I've shared with you before, and I want to share it again today, why there is a tribulation time coming. What is the purpose of the tribulation? I told you there are three main purposes of the tribulation. First of all, to judge unrepentant sinners, those who refuse to repent, those who refuse to receive the love of God and the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to face judgment. That's one of the purposes of the tribulation time. And then secondly, we know that God is going to work to bring the nation of Israel to the Savior. He's going to bring his people to himself. He's going to keep his promises that he made to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And so he's working through these means to accomplish part of that. And then thirdly, to bring many people to salvation. Many people are going to get saved during the tribulation time. We've talked in depth concerning that. And if you're new to the series, all of these are available on the podcast or CD. You can go back and catch up on what we've studied so far. We've talked in depth about the fact that there are going to be many people who will be saved during the tribulation time. Now, here in Revelation, we just read chapters 8 and 9. God doesn't just mention broad generalities that he's going to judge. Judgment's coming. He gets very specific and he paints in the details and I I believe what he's saying to us here, anybody who reads these things saying to us, uh, don't go here. Don't go to the tribulation time. This serves in many ways like one of those signs that you might see a sign that uh, kind of looks like this danger. Do not enter. And as you read about the tribulation time, God is saying, listen, don't go here. Danger. Do not enter. 
And when you see one of those signs, let's say you go out today or this week, you see a sign, you have a decision to make, don't you? You can choose to ignore the sign and go on your merry way and and just face danger head on. Or you can be wise and heed the sign and obey the sign. Well, the way to avoid the danger that we just read about is to receive the Lord Jesus Christ now as your Lord and Savior. Because if you'll do that, you'll be raptured home with Jesus long before these things take place. Before hell on earth breaks loose, you'll be in heaven rejoicing with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you're a Christian today, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to face what we just read about. But if you're not and you don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ and the rapture happens, and by the way, nothing else has to take place. The rapture could happen any moment. We'll be called up to meet the Lord in the air and go home to be with him. If that were to happen today and you don't know him, you'd be left behind. And you just got a glimpse of your future if you survive that long. You may not even make it to this point. But beloved, why even risk it? Please abide by the sign, danger, do not enter this place. Well, let's talk about what we just read about. There's a lot there, isn't it? And, and, and there's some things that you read and you scratch your head and say, what in the world is this? Well, when the Lamb opens the seventh seal, there's silence in heaven. There's been a lot of noise so far in the study. There's been a lot of noise in heaven. There's been worship. There's been praise. There's been singing. But as he breaks that seventh seal and the scroll is opened fully, silence comes. And this silence lasted for half an hour. Now, obviously, something significant is about to happen. There's a holy hush. There's a silent suspense. There's an inaudible awe that takes place. Something happens at this moment in time that very rarely ever happens in our world anymore. There is silence. We've been so conditioned, silence makes us nervous at times. We wonder what was going to happen. Will somebody please cough? Will somebody please do something? But there's silence for the space of a half an hour. I want you to imagine that in heaven. Something significant is about to happen. And seven angels step forward. The seven angels are before the throne and they're given seven trumpets. Then another angel comes and that angel takes a censer, a fire pan, and he takes incense and he mixes it with the prayers of the saints and he offers it upon the altar before God. If you wonder, do your prayers make a difference or prayers important? Look there, beloved, what it says. The prayers of the saints are mixed with this incense here and it's offered before God. These are probably the prayers as prayers of all the saints, but at least the saints under the altar who are crying out. When are you going to bring vengeance? When are you going to, to act? And he says, wait a little bit longer. But the prayers of the saints are there. And in verse five of chapter eight, it says after he had offered up the prayers and the incense, he takes and he fills the fire pan, the censer with fire from off the altar and he throws it to the earth. And it says there are noises and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake takes place. And then we have the seven uh, trumpet uh, about to be sounded here by these seven angels. And I want to look at them one by one. I've got to be honest with you. Some of this is hard to understand. And if you go back and you read as much as I read on Revelation as I'm preparing these messages and you read the commentators and the preachers and the scholars, there are some that you read and you think, man, they know more about Revelation than John did. And John does. And they can show you in here army tanks and missiles and rocket launchers and nuclear war and all kinds of stuff. And that's what that is. But, beloved, we've been very careful not to do too much conjecture. We're not sure about that. Maybe some of that's in here, but we're not told that. We're going to try to take what we're told here plainly in Scripture and understand it. I appreciate what Dr. Danny Aiken said about Revelation. I ran across this quote here just the last week or two. Danny Aiken is the president of our Southeastern Seminary. And here's what he said. When it comes to the end times, we are usually interested in questions. The Bible is not interested in answering. We're like that, aren't we? I mean, God has given us so much in Revelation, yet we get all torn up and want to know, what about this one little thing? Listen, there's enough here to keep us occupied for a long time. 
And there's enough here for us to get busy with as we study what he's revealed to us. We need to be we need to learn to be content what the Lord has revealed to us. It's enough that he has the answers. And I told you early on in the study that I'm probably disappointed some. And that's why they're not here today. And when we study Revelation, you're not going to get all your answers questioned, all your uh, uh, questions answered. Not going to do that. Why? I don't know all the answers. I don't even know all the questions. But God knows the questions. God knows the answers. And I'm content with that. But we're told a lot here in these passages and looking at these trumpet judgments, let's just walk through them quickly together. And I want you to see the big picture. They speak for themselves. but let's just kind of line them up and see what's going on. The first trumpet there is in chapter eight, verse seven. And there's hail and there's fire and blood mingled and they are thrown to the earth. And it says when that first trumpet sounds that one third of the trees and all the green grass is burnt up. I want you to think about it. That were to happen today. One third of the trees upon the earth and all the green grasses burn up. Imagine what that would do to the food supply. I mean, you just see a fire or a drought maybe out in California and the prices of orange and orange juice goes up. Imagine what it would do if one third of the trees and all the green grasses burn up. And then I got to thinking just just a moment. What about the, the oxygen in the air and all that? I mean, they're burn up and and. Imagine what that would do to our earth and to our life if one third of the trees and all the green grasses burned up. That's bad enough. But in verses eight, and nine, the second trumpet sounds and something like a great mountain burning with fire is thrown in the sea. And it says a third of the sea becomes blood. Now, the result of that, of course, we see on that second trumpet is this. One third of the sea creatures and one third of the ships are destroyed. This is a blow to the food supply and a blow to the economy. It'd be kind of hard to get Mrs. Paul's fish sticks. What they when one third of the sea is blood and they're destroyed. I wouldn't want to be on a Disney cruise that week, would you? One third of the sea becomes blood and one third of the ships are destroyed an impact upon the food supply an impact upon the economy, not to mention, imagine the emotional turmoil going on in the world at this moment as you're watching literally hell on earth. But it's coming. But he's not done. There's a third trumpet's going to sound in verses 10 and 11. It says a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. Imagine these things are coming from heaven to the earth and it is a star and it impacts the fresh water sources, a third of the river and the springs of water. The star's name is Wormwood. It makes it uh, bitter. And you have there one third of the rivers and springs are polluted. Now, imagine fresh water essential to life. And one third of it's destroyed. You can live with a lot of without a lot of things, but you can't live without water. Nobody. I don't care who you are. You can go a very short time and you're going to die. And it says many will die. As the rivers and springs are polluted. And if that's not bad enough, we move from the earth and the trees and grass and sea creatures and ships and rivers and springs. On the fourth trumpet, we move to the celestial body and we find that the sun, the moon and the stars, verse 12, are darkened. And saying you have the sun, moon and stars, a third of them are darkened. The late Christian scientist, Dr. Henry Morris, said that this will surely cause a severe drop in world temperatures. And a vast upset in all the Earth's meteorology and climatology. You think the weather's crazy now? Imagine if you darkened a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars. He said unpredictable and violent atmospheric storms may follow, as well as interruptions in botanical and biological cycles. I mean, think about all this dependent upon the sun and the moon and the stars. And a third of them are darkened. And a third of the day and a third of the night. If you like to write in your Bible, you might want to put this reference next to that verse, verse 12. What Jesus said in Luke 21, 25 and 26. Jesus said this in Luke 21, 25 and 26. And there will be signs of the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Luke 21, 25 and 26. Jesus talked about this. Jesus talked about this coming judgment. And as bad as things are now in chapter eight, look at verse 13. 
And I looked and I heard an angel flying to the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Why? Because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels were about to sound. We're only four trumpets in. He says, Woe, woe, woe. There's three more coming. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. We move to chapter nine and trumpet five and six. We're only going to get to two more of those trumpets today. But we move now from the earth, the celestial body to really the underworld, if you will, because trumpet five involves five months of demonic torture, five months of demonic torture. Demons are real. Demons are not make believe. Demons are fallen angels. They chose to rebel. They chose to follow Satan. Satan was a created being. Satan was an angel, a very high ranking angel. He chose that he wanted to be as the most high. I will ascend my throne. I will do all these things. He wanted to exalt himself. He desires worship and he rebelled against God. And there are those who followed him. And many of those demons obviously are loose upon the earth today. But there are many that are bound in the bottomless pit or the abyss. Because we notice here that a fifth angel sounded, verse chapter 9, verse 1. We saw a star falling from heaven to the earth, had the key to the bottomless pit. Some think that's Satan, some think it's a fallen angel, some think it's one of God's angels. But whoever it is, they give them the key, they give them authority to go and unloose the bottomless pit or the abyss. And there are demons that are bound there. It's interesting, if you look back in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, the Lord Jesus is about to deliver... You don't have to turn there, but I'll give you some verses here. In Luke chapter 8, he's about to deliver a man who's demon-possessed. It's the story of the demonic of Gadarene. Do you remember his story? And in Luke chapter 8, verses 30 and 31, Jesus asked this demonic man, Jesus asked him, Luke 8, 30, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. Verse 31 of Luke 8 says this, and they begged him that he would not, listen, command them to go out into the abyss. Into the bottomless pit. In other words, Lord Jesus, please do not throw us and bind us in the bottomless pit. If you remember the story, they ended up going out to a herd of swine. Remember? And the swine were destroyed. And as a North Carolina boy, my heart always breaks to see all that pork barbecue go drowning in the ocean. (laughs) Sorry, we needed a moment of tense relief, didn't we? But they begged him, do not send us into the abyss. So what that says to us, beloved, is this. Our world today does not have all the demonic activity that it could have and that it one day will have. Because there are many that are bound. And not only are they bound, we'll see four more that are bound in a moment. But these demon hordes are released upon the earth. And they're released not to kill man, not to attack the earth and the vegetation. They're released simply to torment men who are not sealed by God. Talked about those sealed on their forehead. That's the 144,000. Those 12,000 Jews from 12 tribes that will be out evangelizing and preaching the gospel. They'll not be tortured by these, but those who are not sealed will. Now, what do they look like? Well, we're not exactly sure. I ask you to notice that word like, 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 like there in verses 7 through 10. Uh, because he's trying to describe these demonic. They're not just little locusts that you think of in locusts. They're described in that way, but it's an awful picture. But it says they tormented men like a scorpion would. They were not allowed to kill men, but uh, just uh, to torment them. You know, Satan and the demons are still under God's authority. But imagine these locust-like demonic creatures with scorpion-like stings that torture. And I, I was going to put a picture of a scorpion up there. And I got looking. I got creeped out. I said, I'm not putting a picture of a scorpion up there. But imagine that. I, I tell you what, I don't know what they look like, but you wouldn't want to meet one. You know, there are some folks you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley, right? And there are other folks you don't even want to meet in the daylight. Uh, but this is one you wouldn't want to meet at all. And things are so bad, it says that men, verse 6 of chapter 9, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. In other words, you know, today it seems as we're trying to flee from death. And that day they'll be fleeing to death and death will be fleeing from them. God will ensure that they cannot end their lives. They obviously can't take their lives. They cannot die. They're just going to simply be tortured by these demonic uh, hosts. That's trumpet five. But then there's trumpet six. 
And in trumpet six, we see there are four more fallen angels, four more demons. They're bound to the great river Euphrates. Look at the chapter nine, verse 14. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. We say, well, preacher, how do you know that they're not good angels? It doesn't say demons. It doesn't say satanic people. It doesn't say that. It just says there's four angels. Well, beloved, if they're good angels, they wouldn't be bound, would they? They'd be actively serving God right now. But they're bound at the river Euphrates. And they're being prepared, it says. They've been prepared for the hour and day and month and year. Were released to kill, listen, a third of mankind. And so that sixth trumpet, a third of mankind is killed. And I'm assuming now you've had already so many that have died. Now, people died of thirst. They died of different things. Uh, Maybe it's a third of the remaining. Imagine if one third of the population were wiped out. And this is accomplished by a 200 million member army, if you will. And we're not sure, beloved, if these are demons or men or what. We're just not sure. And you read different people. And that's why I'm saying they can they have army tanks and rocket launchers and all kinds of stuff. Well, I'm just taking what it says here. There are 200 million uh, member army. We're given a description concerning them. But I want you to focus on is what happens because of them. Look at verse 18 of chapter nine. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. Now, what are the three plagues? By the fire and by the smoke. And the brimstone which came out of their mouths. And the reason people say, well, there's their army tanks is because John wouldn't know what they are. And so that boom, that's shooting out. That's missile launcher. We don't know that. Okay, that's conjecture. These may be demonic hordes. They may be a 200 million member army. People have mentioned various countries and different things. I'll not go there today because we're not told that here. But I want you to see is one third of mankind is killed. They're killed. Do you see now why I beg you to please do not enter this danger zone? And beloved, not only that, don't let your loved ones go here. We shouldn't want anybody to go here. We must warn them. We must share Jesus with them. We must share the gospel with them because we're not quite through. Because there's two more verses I want to talk to you about in this passage that are very sad. And in these verses... You have those who've survived all this. Now, I want you to imagine living through all this. And people want to die and they can't die. They want to take their life. They can't take their life. And then a third are wiped out and, and you remain and you're there. Look at their response. You would think they would cry out for mercy. You think they would turn to God. You think they would just cry out for any relief from the Lord. But instead, they hardened their hearts. They're kind of like Pharaoh. Remember when God sent the plagues upon Egypt? What did Pharaoh do? He hardened his heart. Look at what the people do. They don't repent. Revelation 9, 20 and 21. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues. You like to underline your Bible, underline the next three words. Did not repent. Did not repent of the works of their hands. They should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they notice this again. Next three words did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual morality or their thefts. I want you to notice they refuse to repent. They refuse to turn from their evil ways. Let me just line it up for you real quickly. What are they doing? They're worshiping demons. They will not repent from worshiping demons. And of course, Satan is glorified and Satan is magnified and Satan's happy when people uh, worship demons and they're busily uh, worshiping demons. They're busy uh, actively engaged in idolatry. It says they're they're worshiping uh, beloved uh, gold and silver and brass and stone and wood. And they're busy worshiping that. It says likewise, they're busy out murdering people. Life obviously has very little value or no value at this point. We already see that in our world, don't we? Life has been cheapened and the value of life has been uh, counted as nothing. Then it says in my translation that they were busy in sorcery, practicing sorceries. That's a very interesting. I don't bring a lot of Greek words to you. That's a very interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word pharmacon. It implies the use of drugs. It's where we get our English word pharmacy from. It's the idea they're practicing sorceries using drugs. One scholar said the Greek word refers to poisons, amulets, charms, magic spells, witchcraft, or any object or practice that makes someone susceptible to sin. 
And beloved, don't we see that popularity, the popularity of that kind of stuff in our world? Everywhere you look, this movie's about witchcraft and this game and this everything, these television programs. We find in the end days when all hell is broken loose, rather than repenting and turning to God, they're turning to demon worship and idolatry and their murder and their sorcery, and they're not done. Next, we have sexual morality, probably running rampant at this time. And finally, theft. They're stealing. You know, I'm sure they're stealing. Just they're so desperate. They're just out. There's no value of anything, morals, ethics or anything. Mankind is bound in sin and mankind needs Jesus. Now, the sad thing is that's what will be going on in those days. But those things are going on today, aren't they? And I know as a believer, as I look at that list, I look at my own life. Not to say, Lord, is there anything in that list that I'm doing that would displease you? A lot of us look at that and say, well, we're not busy uh, worshiping demons. No, I hope not. What about idolatry? Anything you exalt above the Lord. What about murders if you... Uh, murdering people in your heart? What about dabbling in things that you have no business dabbling and watching things that have no business watching, opening your life up to witchcraft and things like that? What about sexual morality? The Bible says to look upon a woman with lust just to commit adultery in your heart. What about thefts and dishonesty? I want to look at my own life, but in regards to these people, do you see how they're hardened in their sin and calloused in their sin? And one of the reasons that God brings about the tribulation is to judge unrepentant sinners. They will not repent. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I serve a God who will one day right the wrongs in our world, who will one day take vengeance upon those who will not turn to him. Now, God has warned us and God has made it plain. We need to share Jesus with them. And I want you to understand something, beloved. God does not take pleasure in this. God does not want men to go to hell. And God does not want men to go through hell on earth. He does not want women, little baby, uh, little uh, boys and girls and children who know right from wrong. He does not want them to go to hell. We see the heart of God in what he said to the prophet Ezekiel. Look at this verse with me. Ezekiel 33, 11. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. No pleasure. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Do you see the heart of God there? I mean, even in the midst of all the judgment we've been studying, he remembers mercy. The gospel's going forth. People are getting saved. But there are those who will not repent. And they will not turn to God. And they harden their heart like Pharaoh did. And they'll be destroyed. Just like Pharaoh was destroyed. God desires for people to turn from their evil way to repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what do we learn from this, beloved? There's so much, but I, I, I take this away from this passage and it's built upon what we said earlier. We need to warn people. Danger's coming. We need to let people know that there's a time coming upon the earth. And even if they don't make it at that time, if they die without the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. But if they survive and they go through the tribulation, they're going to experience hell on earth. And if they still will not repent, they'll experience hell forever afterward. So, beloved, we need to be placing those signs in our life, don't we? And waving that sign to people. Danger, do not enter. There's coming an end. Jesus Christ has made the way. You don't have to go here. You don't have to go through the tribulation. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus took your hell up himself as he was nailed to that cross and shed his precious blood. And he bore the weight of the sin of the world. And he bled and died, was buried and rose again victorious. And if you'll repent... That's what God wants us to do, to repent, to humble ourselves and repent and turn from our wicked ways and place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're given eternal life and you'll never experience this. So I ask you today, will you invite others to Jesus? Will you warn them? Will you place the sign up? Danger. Do not enter. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thank you for your patience today. We've covered a lot of ground, but I want to ask you two questions real quickly. Number one, are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? If the rapture occurred today, you'd go to heaven. Are you 100% ironclad sure 
that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Do you know for certain? If not, friend, I wouldn't waste another moment. I'd make it certain. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Call out to him and he will save you. That's number one. And number two, are those around you ready? I know I'm looking out in the crowd where a lot of folks probably said, yes, I'm ready. What about those around you? What about your spouse? What about your boss, your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, your co-worker? That lady that waits on you at the restaurant. That person that's at the gas station that you see each week. Are they ready? Do they know what's coming? Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your heart burdened? Or are we busy like Sarah Winchester? We're busy here and there building our stuff and doing all these things, trying to not think about eternity. Listen, beloved. They're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And God has placed us here as believers to share the gospel with them. Will you tell them? Will you warn them? Will you tack that sign up and say, listen, danger, do not enter. There's a hell that you're going to go to when you die. There's a hell coming upon this earth. Do not enter it. Is your heart burdened and broken today for someone or maybe many that you know if it were to happen right now, if we were to be raptured, they'd be left behind. Or if they were to die right now, they'd go to hell. Then maybe you need to come as the closing song. And you need to kneel at this altar and call out on their behalf to God. And pray for them. And then go to them. And share the gospel with them. Father, I am humbled at your grace and mercy today. We deserve everything we just read about and worse. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve Jesus. We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve the rapture. We don't deserve any of that. But Lord, your gospel declares that by your grace, by your grace, you've redeemed us. We're not worthy, but Christ is. And I thank you for his righteousness. And I thank you for his finished work upon Calvary. I thank you for the resurrection. And I thank you for the promise that if we'll turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Thank you, O God. I pray, Lord, if anybody here does not know for sure They're not 100% certain of their salvation. Would you grip their heart right now? Would you bring them during the closing song and allow someone to help them to make sure that they know Jesus? And then, Lord, would you bring to our minds right now the faces of people that we know that are not ready? Would you break our heart? Would you burden us for them? Or would you help us to be Sharing the gospel. Would you help us to be out posting the sign danger? Do not enter eternity without the Lord. Danger. Hell is coming. Would you help us, Lord, to be soul winners for you? Thank you for making it so plain and clear. Thank you for not hiding this from us. And though, Lord, there's much we don't understand and much we can't figure out. We understand enough today to know that you do not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. You want them to turn from their wicked way and you want them to live. And so, Lord, I pray they will. And I pray that you'll use us to help them get there. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. As our closing song this morning, I think the most appropriate one. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, 559. The invitation's clear. Nothing's more important than this. Nothing's more important. You can eat a cold lunch. You can miss an appointment. But if you've missed heaven, friend, you've missed it all. Don't let anything else distract you. If you need to be saved today, you come. If you've got a loved one today that you need to pray for, someone you know, you come today. Don't wait. Don't, don't dawdle. You come. The altar's open today. This is real. This is coming. Danger's coming. Would you come today? 559, let's stand and sing, Rescue the Perishing.